What's up, fam? Welcome back to Master Mindset Podcast, a spot to get your mind right. So pumped today. Got a good friend, Ken Locke the second. Yo. Let's see, man. You got a lot of things going on. You are the official barber and chaplain for the Milwaukee Bucks champions. I've seen that championship ring too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good looking. Um, he's uh he's a pastor, but I'm just I've listened to him speak, man. I I tell people, man, Ken Locke is is the up and coming new Les Brown, like the voice. The wisdom, the charisma, the energy, the passion, the ability to just move your mind, your spirit, to just transform it to a new place, man. You got that skill, man. Listen, it feels good hearing it, man. I'm honored, honestly, man. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen it as that way. I've honestly seen myself as just being being locked into purpose, but but thank you. Yeah, and we got we got to say a husband and father too, which is oh hands down. I mean, awesome. that's first. That's before anything, man. I'd be husband. It'd be uh thirteen years. I've been married this year. Beautiful uh, kids, my son and my daughter. So I'm blessed. Now, so let's talk about um, purpose. I know that's your kind of word. We've talked off, you know, on the phone. We've talked. We've hung out live in a, like a, a men's group uh, for a few days. Um, but let's just let us tap into why are you so into that word, that framework, that just emotional connection that driver of man every needs everyone needs to find that purpose yeah i mean i i think i'm so locked into it mainly because when you don't have purpose you don't even have a sense of purpose um you really are just floating and i know that sometimes you feel like we're floating kind of figuring out it's okay but man i've seen floating really just destroy a person's psyche uh, they lose motivation they lose excitement they lose a press to continue to run because they don't really have direction. I mean, when you don't have direction, how can you run? How can you give your all when you don't know what you're giving your all to? And uh, I'm a firm believer, man, that we all have a reason on this earth. There's a purpose that we're all alive. There's someone to serve. Mm -hmm. um, hands down, I believe that somebody else's life should benefit from our existence. And so the more you, the quicker you find that, the quicker you find the true joy in being able to serve someone else. Uh, I just believe that your life is better altogether. You're more fulfilled internally. Yeah. So how did you find your purpose to to, to do this work? Man, that's, I mean, how much time we got? <laughs> so, that's, you asked a lifelong question. I, I uh, my story is kind of funny. I, I, I was raised in a huge family, 10 sisters, one brother. So it was 12 kids. So including my, the kids and my parents, it's 14 people in a two-bedroom household, right? So I, was, I slept on the floor until I was a teenager. But um, everything we did in life was just sharing. When it's that many people in one home, it's just sharing. Like you gotta, you have to share a little Debbie snack. You know what I mean? You can't just get your own oatmeal pie. You know, you have to break that in pieces to make sure that everybody else gets a piece. And uh, without recognizing it, I almost realized that I was being groomed to make sure that others were being served as well. So I was a, I was a young kid, you know, 10 girls in a house. Your parents are always like, make sure that they, they're okay. And make sure that if you get something for yourself, you get something for them. And so I've always had this mindset and I realized that serving other people actually gave me a joy. It gave me um, a sense of value, a sense of reasoning almost to continue to press. And um, never thought I'd be a speaker, right? I never looked for uh, a platform, me starting to speak was actually accidental. Um, I was a barber. I would be in a barbershop just talking. And anybody's been in a barbershop, at least in an urban context, you know, it's just a lot of talking back and forth, a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming. Everybody got their opinions on which basketball player is the best and who's doing what and which actor is the best. Is it, you know, Will Smith or Denzel? Is it 
which is kind of a bad topic right now. But, you know, it's kind of that back and forth. And I would realize after speaking my heart and sharing at a barbershop, the guys would come to me afterwards like, hey, man, thank you for what you shared. Or, man, that really spoke to me, added value to me. Or thank you for kind of just sharing your, your story and your experience. It helped me to see myself in a greater light. And um, I realized that there was a natural gift just to communicate. And uh, it became a passion like I wouldn't believe. And it started making sense while I was listening to John Maxwell when I was 18 years old. I probably was the only 18-year-old listening to John Maxwell. But it always meant something to me, just the, the ability to be able to communicate and connect uh, with those you're speaking to. That's dope. Um, and then you got down on the IG visionary of Evolved Church. I know faith yeah. plays a big role in, in what you do. Maybe maybe share that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, faith for me is huge. My dad's a pastor, so um, I was like born and raised in church, but then I actually left church just because I felt as if there were a lot of things about faith that didn't make sense to me. And I went through my own journey, you know what I mean? The, do I believe? Do I not? This This entire space of you know, I believe in God, but like exactly what way. And uh, there was a real life experience just for myself, man, where faith, my relationship with God in like a uh, a low moment in life for me, uh, went through a lot of trials in my family. My dad had a stroke. My mom found out she had cancer. Um, just a lot of like very, very tough moments where I was trying to find hope for myself. And um, I found my faith in God and in Christ. And it made sense to me. And I almost feel like it made sense to me in a way that nobody ever explained. And uh, I started looking around and saying, how many other people, especially millennials, because I'm a millennial, how many other people are lo like looking at faith and saying, maybe it feels antiquated or outdated, or maybe it just doesn't connect. And so even those who may be going to, to, to church are saying, yeah, I'm going because I feel like I'm supposed to. And I don't necessarily feel empowered or equipped to live life with greater purpose. And so um, hence the name Evolve, kind of have this mindset of what if we could evolve what church looks like, uh, especially to my generation, and express faith in a way that not only makes sense, but it gives it a space for them to step into it. And so that's when we started Evolve Church. And when I started, you know, a lot of people give all these grandeur visions like I, I knew it was going to take off I just knew it was going to be amazing and honestly I didn't know uh, I hope <laughs> obviously you hope that it takes off I think anybody that started anything I hope that it does you hope that you can impact somebody and and we were just blessed to, to grab momentum early and in three years we grew over 1500 and now a couple of thousand people and uh in four years we we, we kind of found our groove relatively early just because we knew who we were serving we were very very keyed in on who we were serving I said, man, you mentioned something earlier that resonated with me is uh, people are just drifting throughout life. Team Money, are you drifting or are you locked in? Are you are you can locked in with your purpose, <laughs> with your purpose and, and a faith? I really believe that. Of course, you're going to drift yeah. if you don't have a purpose or being connected to something larger than yourself. Um, so, so what are some patterns when we're drifting? You know, like, can you identify, like, what does that look like? Because I really believe if you're in a marriage, if you're a part of a team, if you are working, whatever you're doing with kids, if you're drifting, you're just kind of lost in yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, or you're getting influenced by things that are not serving you. So let's just self-scout and assess. That's the main defense that we have to beat. 
Yeah. So what are some traps we have to like not allow ourselves to just go into that drift or you're in this like numbness or you're just like zombieing around. There's no like life. You're not like low, but you're not like high and you just kind of just meander throughout your day. You're not giving all of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we hear this all the time, but really staying locked into your why is, is, is the only anchor to ensure that you don't drift. And what I mean by that is that, you know, any, now everybody starts any great or amazing thing with the why as the only, as the only purpose. So you use the example of marriage, you know what I mean? And like, I married this woman because I'm absolutely in love with her and I want to see the rest of my life with her. Boom, period. There's nothing else really that matters at that moment. That is your why. But obviously two, three, four, five, seven years in, that why is being challenged with, uh, you know, we struggle to communicate. Um, sometimes we're not on the, the you no know, the same you no know, plane. We, we're not seeing the same thing. Our perspective may be different. Maybe there's a disagreement in how we parent. Maybe there's a disagreement in finances. Finance has been the number one cause for divorce. Um, there's there's different perspectives that now I'm challenging my. I've been challenged to remember my why. Whenever I am dealing with difficulty, whenever I'm dealing with uh, a, a frustration or a pain, right, a pain point, um, or I stop having fun. And, and so, of course, you talk about pain and pleasure, and those are obviously ends of the spectrum, but both of them can be things of why I'm starting to lose focus on my why. Um, I'm not having fun. I'm not enjoying the process anymore. I'm not enjoying what I thought was going to be this just amazing you know, grandeur experience, which is really to me a sophomore expectations. I think that anytime you go into anything with this, these high expectations of always fun, always joy, always good. I'm I'll be straight as long as this is what I'm supposed to do and purpose. But man, like purpose can be painful. Purpose can sometimes have some difficulty attached to it. You mean to tell me that there aren't times you question yourself as a father to make sure. Am I giving enough time? Am I giving enough energy? Am I giving enough focus? Does my daughter, my daughter's getting what they need from me? Is my son getting what getting what he needs from me? Or maybe it's your career path, and it's uh, you really believe this is your purpose, but sometimes you can be in it and giving your all and just not getting the results that you really expected. Or I mean, you're pushing it, you're hitting it, you're putting the iron in the fire day after day after day after day, and it's just not producing what you wanted it to produce. But that's all a part of it. Like that's a part of strengthening your why. Like, like your why has to be tested. It has to be. And I think that that's an uncomfortable conversation, but I don't know any successful person who started with something, had a why, and that why wasn't tested. And I think that sometimes when our whys get tested, we, we just find something else that gives us pleasure. And sometimes doing nothing actually gives people pleasure. They don't want to admit it, but there's a reason people stroll on social media all day. There's a reason they're Googling random random stuff. Like they won't read the book. They're just at, at night Googling, you know, how heavy is a bear? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a joy that comes from doing nothing whenever there is a subtle frustration from not really experiencing, you know, the expectations you wanted in life. Like this is the reality of human nature. Yeah. And I think um, it's been said before that nature has given us two drivers. One is pleasure. The other is pain. Pleasure That's is right. probably more like goal oriented, what you want to achieve yeah. or what you're hoping for. But your your why and purpose should be forged in the deep fire Come on. of pain. Come on. So if, if we're not using that 
as a tool, we're, we're wasting a huge asset that our soul and our mind and our heart can really tap into that. And if you don't allow yourself to feel those emotions, feel that pain, how can you forge that fire? Come on. Come so, on. <laughs> I was just help us figure out how do we capture our purpose that we yeah. can reflect and then get it down to uh, not only like a, a, a purpose statement, but like an, an emotion that's going to drive us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, um, one of the things exactly John Maxwell said it a while ago is that, you know, what, no, what would you do for free? So if money wasn't an option, like what, what gives you joy? So much joy that if you were not considering what would bring my family financial freedom or wealth, what would I be doing? And um, for me, I was 18 years old, maybe 19 at that time. And it just clicked for me. Like I, I enjoy like just encouraging and speaking life to people. And at this time, I wasn't even thinking on the face side of being a pastor. At this time, I was just a speaker, right? I was talking to kids in high schools and I was going around the city and helping different environments, boys and girls clubs, the YMCA and programs. Um, so find something that you love to do so much that you would do it for free and then become so good at it that people would gladly pay you for it was the, was the quote that he said. And for me, it just resonated. I don't know why it resonated so much, but I think I was 19 years old and I was chasing everything that could get a dollar it was in school psychology exactly well i make this much money where if i switch over and go into law i make this much money but if i go into corporate law like i'm chasing all of these plans on how much money i can make and of course being raised in poverty there's always this inner fear of i can't i can't ever go back to that i can't ever go back to the struggle of you know our, our families not being able to provide for ourselves and so there was this mindset that I recognized was pushing me towards money, 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 money. But I've learned that if you chase money, you'll never find purpose. But if you chase purpose, you'll always find money. I learned it. And when I realized that, I just started chasing purpose. And purpose isn't always like this great thing. Because I, I think that that can be a trap as well. Um, <laughs> this, this is where I fight with some of my friends on it. I think that sometimes people are comparing purpose to how big their platform is compared to the next person's platform. Um, or, well, my, if I'm going to go into purpose, then I have to reach 15 million people. And it's like, for me, that wasn't my purpose. My purpose was like one person at a time. Just, you know, That's not good. going to bed without blood on my sword, right? Like every single day, like I'm just, I'm, I'm attacking something. I'm pressing into something. I'm, killing a thought and idea that shouldn't be attached to me. I'm speaking into somebody else's life. I'm cutting something off of them that is killing their joy. Maybe it could be depression or it could be a frustration with work or family, like just every single day that was my purpose. And I realized that I would encourage people for free. If, if, if I never got a dollar, if you told me you won't ever get paid for this, will you still spend every day of your life encouraging somebody? It would be a no brainer. I would absolutely do it for free. Um, and I began to pour into that. And by doing it for free, it afforded me some opportunities to be able to take care of my family through it. Let's go. Hey, team coach Colin here. If you're an athlete, a coach, a performer of any type, you can't just train the body. You got to train the mind. Right now, you can go to my mental toughness training course and learn five mental skills that every top performer needs. Click the link in the show notes. Let's go do it. Well, let's, let's transition into purpose into the dna of champions yeah let's go you you have a a world 
championship ring. You were around the Bucks who won the title, man. So Come let on. us know how you got into being this dual role of a, a barber, which you know everybody needs to be looking good out there in the sport. You know? Yeah, you yeah. Can't wear, you can wear a, a headband. You can't wear a hat, so you got to be looking fresh. Come on. Out there. If you look good, feel good, play good. That's the way um, it is. And then, but you're also speaking life from the lens of like of faith and being a chaplain, which I know a lot of people like to have that as, as a huge part of, of the of the team, you know. So yeah. maybe give us the backstory there. Well, it was so it's fun. This backstory is funny. There's a player that came to the Bucks from uh, the Phoenix Suns named Jared Dudley. He had traded here. When he got here, he went to a barber in the city. Don't, don't know who the barber was, but he pretty much puts a tweet out. And he's like, first day in Milwaukee, got my first haircut. I hate it, right? LOL. And the tweet kind of went viral. People were kind of making jokes about it. And so a friend of mine saw the tweet, sent him a message saying, hey, I have a barber named Ken in Milwaukee. You should hit him up. So I go, hits me up. I, I go the same day to fix the bad haircut he had. And so I fixed it. He goes to practice the next day. And the team makes notice. Yo, you see, you got a new haircut. He's like, yeah, it's this guy named Ken. Ken cut my hair. So Next, uh, this guy named Kendall Marshall came, called me. Hey, can you come out to the practice and he cut my hair? I cut his hair. Then there's a player named OJ Mayo, uh, OJ Mayo there. And he's like, hey, can you cut me next? And there's a player named Jabari Parker there. And he's like, yeah, do you mind getting me in a chair really quick? I'm like, cool. I get done with him. I come back the next week. There's this scrawny kid, like 2014, named Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? Scrawny little kid. He comes in there. He's like, bro, can you, you, know, can you cut my hair? And I'm like, yeah, cool. I got you. And so I cut his hair. And by the end of that season, the team was like, I mean, you're cutting everybody's hair anyways. You no, know, would you want to be at the same barber? I'm like, dude, it's a no-brainer. It's a no you, you have to ask me, send me the contract. You understand what I'm saying? I'll sign whatever. So, you know, at that time I was super excited about it. So I probably would have I would have signed a napkin if he gave it to me. Um, but I was super excited about it. Uh, so so can we how many how many NBA teams have a team barber? Uh, I think pretty much every team has a now I say every team, but most of the teams have like their team barber, their go-to guy. They pretty much put on contract. To Seriously? Work. Yeah. That, that you come in to certain times a week, like yeah. certain days a week. Yeah. So I mean, they pay, pay you an hourly rate. So they'll pay you. You know, you, you can stay whatever your rate is. It could be one fifty an hour, you know, one twenty-five an hour, and then the players will also pay you whatever tips they want to. So I don't know, maybe a hundred bucks, couple hundred bucks, is whatever they decide. Wow. Okay. So I I just had to ask that but you were kind of going off a little yeah, bit yeah 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 so i mean i obviously became their barber and uh for years just built valuable friendships so i mean i've been friends with Giannis and chris Milton, those guys for years now and we started our church in 2018 at that time malcolm brogdon was one of my clients and a really good friend um and so went to go cut his hair he had some questions about faith you know what i mean he was like yo i noticed that you're a person of faith i'm like yeah i am unashamedly and he was transparent with me, like, dude, I got a lot of questions I need to ask you. So, you know what I mean? I hope you don't get offended, but this is just the question I have about faith. And then I, I burst out laughing immediately. He didn't know why I was laughing. But the reason I burst out laughing is because all of the questions that he had, that he were he was asking were the questions that made me be challenged with my faith years prior. Right? So these were already questions I kind of already spent a lot of time in the water with and pretty much had answers to already because these were things that I had battled with in my own previous journey. And so we talked through the faith. He comes to church the next Sunday and then he goes back to the team and he's like, yo, you know, Ken, the barber, dude's a pastor. And they're like, no way. Like, there's no way dude's a pastor. You're like, dude, he is. I'm telling you. 
I just went to his church this past Sunday. And so he tells the family, at that time, this guy named Tony Snell, Thon Maker, Giannis's mom actually joins first. And then she comes and grabs him like, yo, you need to come to church. And so then Giannis and Mariah starts coming to church. And then Chris Middleton and his wife, Sam, comes. And next thing you know, I didn't even know there was a team chaplain. I never knew that that, that position even existed. So the team reached out like, hey, you already have good relationships. Do you want to be the team chaplain? And I'm like, first of all, let me say, yeah, but I don't know what that entire, I don't know what that, what that, what it means or what I'm supposed to do. And I uh, was introduced to an entire different world where we as chaplains, we have a Bible study with the players an hour before every game. So um, hour before every game for the, the home team and the away team actually can come in and we'll do a Bible study with them. And so this is what the fans don't see. That oftentimes before you see these guys battling out on the court, they were already together in the back in a Bible wow. study. Um, right. And so there really is a level of brotherhood and camaraderie that most fans never get a chance to see. There really is like a, a huge uh, community when, you come, when it comes to the NBA. So what do people struggle with with their faith, like you struggle with, like that player came to you? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's a lot. I mean, one of the struggles is like, you know, when it comes to pastors, like, is there, are they, is, is, is it real? Like, is there anybody that really is, you know, living what they teach and really, really loving their wife and teaching the faith? That was one thing because sometimes people are seen as representations of God and we're the hands and feet of Christ, but just what we see can kind of turn us away from the faith. Uh, and if you see enough craziness and reading enough crazy stories they can make you kind of be like ah you know i drift away and then the other things were just kind of how the faith became just this mainstream almost like an attempt for wealth so it seemed like you know give to me and you'll be blessed or the mm -hmm. the prosperity stuff on tv where they're sending you water or you know <laughs> i don't know if you've ever seen it but like you know call in for your holy water you know what i mean and they're like what is going on here it's just a lot of these questions that go from propaganda or a westernized mindset about faith. And then what does like, what does like God actually do? Like, does he actually love people? And how, how do we represent God or faith in the real world and the real experience? Not just to us as NBA players, but to those who are hurting in third world countries, to other spaces that may not have a chance to experience and or express their faith the way that we mm -hmm. do. You know, how do we, how do we talk about it? So we just asked, we had some real conversation. Like, who was Jesus? Who was this dude? Is there any other proof? You know what I mean? Like outside of the Bible that he existed. And so like we mm. go through history that there was actually proof that he existed, not by faith leaders or thought leaders, but by historians that say there was this man who was murdered and we don't know exactly what he did outside of that. We don't know, but we know his name. We know he existed. And so for me, I realized that faith was also history. So like, like that's, that's when I really began to bunker down when I realized that beyond the Bible, that there was actually historical proof of you no, know, the people, the Kings, the tribes, the wars were actually historical proof. There was backing for this. And if it were if it were not further, to be honest, I probably would have continued to struggle with my faith because, you know, I'm like, I, I needed just to know for me that this was more than just mythology. I needed to know that that there was some reality for me. And when I stepped into it, it was almost mind blowing how much proof surrounded the faith and the Bible as a whole. 
And that's what we, we spent maybe two hours just unpacking all of that information. That's good. Well, I, yeah, I was curious about that. Yeah, I can see where that would be. Someone could question that. But uh, let's, again, let's go back to this uh, concept that we were somewhere in Colorado, some uh, cowboy ranch. I don't even know the name of that place. Is that, What was that place called? Like, I don't remember. Where there's Lost Valley. So you fly to Denver. It's like a two-hour drive outside of it. Um, and we a bunch of great men growing together, learning together, serving. And then we're kind of talking about Ken's. You know, he's a great speaker and he's like out in the scene and, and it's like, well, what, what's a, what's a concept that you have witnessed that you believe? And we came up with this idea, DNA of champions. So you were in the front row seat of watching that, you know, yeah. give us, give us some traits of what these world-class athletes, these world-class people are, are doing. No, absolutely. One of them for sure would be Giannis who, I mean, I got proof that I've said this, but five years ago, I said he'll be the best player in the world. Not because, well, there's some God-given stuff. I mean, you're seven feet, uh, you know what I mean? And like you're, you're strong and you're fast. But beyond that, is it was his work ethic. So, I mean, the, the guy worked so hard that Coach Bud and the team physician had to lock him out of the gym. Literally won't let his key card work because he was working out too much. I've, I've never heard this. I've, I've never heard a coach say, I will deny you access because you are working too hard. Out, out of all of the years I spent around basketball, all of the coaches I've been with never had somebody get locked out of the gym because they refused to sit at home. And that's what Giannis was doing. There was just a, there was this desire to always work and always, always be be better. I, I challenged him one time. I said, hey, bro, I just want to like dig into humility. So we spent about an hour in, in humility and what it really looks like. And he came back to me the next day and he, he found this quote that he really loved. And I and, uh, hope I say it right. But he said, you know, when you focus, when you celebrate your past, that's your pride. And when you celebrate your future, that's arrogance. Right. And uh, uh, ego, ego, ego. That's what mm -hmm. it is. Right. And uh, he, he fell in love with the quote. And one of the things he started to adopt is no matter what level of success he has, He'll, he will only allow a brief moment to appreciate what that is. And he immediately goes back to what work needs to go into the future. And so there's mm -hmm. a video that just resurfaced, um, you know, the coach giving him the game ball and oh, thank you to Giannis and 44 points and yada, yada, yada. And like, we want to, and they give Giannis the ball and like Giannis barely has a smile, not because he wants to be negative or not because he wants to ruin the moment, but he, he told me the same thing the next day. We haven't won anything yet. I don't want to celebrate a regular season win. It's hard to be a champion and then celebrate a regular season win. Like everything I'm doing right now is getting back to, is focusing on getting back to where it was that we were last season and better, right? So he gets into this place of not, not spending extra time celebrating history, but staying in the present moment of always in the grind, always pushing, always pushing. And he has a work ethic like, like I've never seen before. Um, you got Chris Middleton, whose understanding of the game is his IQ is 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 bar none. You know what I mean? Like if you were to sit right here and say, hey man, break the game down. No disrespect, Coach Bud, but he probably could on that level, 
if not kind of go greater, just in understanding what everybody's role and position needs to be on the floor. And like, I kind of have this team dynamic that I'm, I'm writing on right now, but how you have to have three components. Every championship team, I've been studying this, there's three components to every championship team. One of them is you got to have one person who's willing to outwork everybody else. There's, there's, a, there's, like, there's a hard worker guy who his mindset is work, 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 work. No Rihanna intended, right? But it's you know work, 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 work. You got one guy there. You got to have an IQ guy. So this guy has to be able to see high level, right? Be able to kind of predict where the team is going. And then you have a third guy. And for us, it's Drew Holiday. The third guy is always the guy who does the equal amount of work, but doesn't get the credit. So every championship team that you look at, there is always a third guy who's not going to get a hand clap. He's, he's not going to be mentioned as high as the other two names, but he's doing equally the amount of work, but doesn't care about getting the credit. He's, he's willing to work and step back. So Drew Holiday was that. It was Dennis Rodman for the Bulls. It was Chris Bosh for Miami. Every single team, championship team, there's a third guy. You can go look at it. Who was like, yo, when you, when you look at his stats, you may say, bro, this guy didn't get any attention. Or maybe they were doing something that was an intangible. So there isn't a statistic or a metric on a scorecard that shows that they were there. But it's stuff like Drew Holiday stopping, you know, keeping Devin Booker in single digits. I, I mean, one of the best scores in the game. Like, you don't pay attention to it until you look back later and say, whoa, we didn't pay attention to this guy had this man in jail. Right? And then they switched and put him on Chris Paul, who was having 14 points, 12 assists. And then you bring him to six points, a single digit assist, and nobody pays attention to it because you're watching Giannis score. You're watching Chris Middleton hit a game winner. But there's a third guy who's digging in every single night. But usually that third guy has a level of humility where they're not really fighting to be in the limelight. They just know their role. That's great. And to be a champion, it's not just one year. It's over the long stretch. So how have you seen the team respond Yeah. after being under the radar, the underdog? Now they're like, oh, the Bucks are for real. They, they just won the championship. They're defending. So we got to bring our RA game. How have you – because I think uh, I think it was it was Pete Carroll who says that, that winning creates different problems. Absolutely. So, so winning doesn't solve it. Actually, winning creates different problems. It, it, it does because people want to get paid. There's the expectation. Yeah. So how have you seen the team respond to that? No, absolutely. I think the um, the biggest thing I heard Co Coach Bud say and Giannis say it as well is that uh, there's a there's a total different mindset of when you're the underdog playing to earn your respect. That that is so much easier than being the previous winner fighting to keep it because once you've won a championship everybody is gunning for you every single night. Every single night, you are their best competition. You're their biggest game. You're their ESPN game. You're their TNT game. They're putting their all on the floor. And if you're not careful, you will start to play as if you have nothing to prove. When really you do, you still have everything to prove. And so I've watched the team respond uh, sincerely by getting better. Um, I, I, I am honestly amazed to be to be transparent. You know, you, you heard it here first from my boy Colin. The Milwaukee Bucks will be the 2022 NBA champions. I just want to put it out there now, right? Because I'm watching, yeah, hey, 
know what I'm saying? T Money. I saw your face right there. It's cool. I'll, listen, just let it let it soak in. Let it soak I love in. It. I love it. And then I'll I'll go back and clip that for you. And let's hope that it's. I think you should good. say it again. We had a little uh, hiccup in the connection. Say it again. <laughs> listen, the Milwaukee Bucks will be the 2022 NBA champions. You heard it here first. You understand? Okay. Yeah. Let's go. You gotta. You gotta, man. You gotta believe that. Uh, man, listen. I'm. I, I'm speak some things. Speaking into existence. Let's go. T-Money, you, you got some questions for uh, Ken? Yeah. One of them I got um, for sure is just this kind of meshing the two main things we've been talking about today. But I'm just curious, like, what are things you um, have done with the players, things like that, to kind of help them find their purpose, especially on the basketball court? Yeah. So I, I've always taken the approach. Um, first, let me give you this thought that not help. My thought is always who you are off the court exposes itself once you're on the court mm. all the time. Who you are, once you're on the court, your emotions are flying. And so often you'll see people say things, get involved in stuff, and later they'll be like, oh, man, I apologize. It's not who I am. It's not necessarily it's not who they, who they were. They just never intended to show that side of themselves. Mm. Right? So your toughest moments, who you are, is what's, what's going to come out. So who you are off the court is, is what will display itself on the court. And that is actually the approach I take with all of the guys that I serve, is that who are you off the court when the cameras aren't watching? Because that is actually what will be revealed and displayed in the most intense and most important moments of your life. And so when, when, when they're talking basketball, I've, I've learned to not be disrespectful. I realize that I'm talking to some of the best players in the world. So I don't ever come in and say, you need to work on your jump shot or you know, you need to get your, your super center. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to disrespect you. You're the best in the world. You would kill me if I try to play you. In the <laughs> but um, I try to look at it as far as like, like who are you when nobody's watching? Right. And, and, and what are you serving beyond basketball? And this is what most people never see because they only admire athletes while they're in the game. But basketball players, our real life giving the world, you know, 12% of their life. I mean, you come in the NBA at, at 19 or 20 years old, most guys are retired by 32. So you gave 12 years, if you live to be 70 years old, you gave 12 years of your life to the NBA. And it's almost like their life is clipped down and encapsulated into this 12 years. And most of the time when players walk away from basketball, they have no identity because they were only known as a basketball player. They were only known on the court. And that may not mean much to you, but when you put all of your identity into one thing and then that's taken away from, taken away from you, you will flutter and fluster through life trying to reclaim identity. And so my responsibility has been not just faith, but stepping into purpose. And you are more than a basketball player. And right now, God is affording you the opportunity to use your gift and your and, and to, to, to change the world. But how are you going to use your platform to change the world as well? How are you going to use your influence to change the world as well? Because your platform and your influence will live far beyond your needs, <laughs> far beyond your ability to perform within the game. And so there are so many things that these guys have done that people don't know. Giannis has started his own foundation. Chris Middleton has his own foundation. Drew Holiday and his wife Lauren has the JLH Fund. Um, these, these guys have built, uh, George Hill has the Wish for Heroes where he's funding families of those of veterans who don't get the proper resources and help when they uh, come back from, from fighting in the military. All of these guys started to pour their life into 
something beyond just the sport. So basketball may be the launch pad. It may be the platform that started it all, but they start to realize that they themselves are so much bigger than the game. And that's what our conversations are always pouring around is what are, what are you doing beyond shooting a basketball? Because this will be over in a few years. But what would the rest of your life consist of as a man, as a father, as a leader, as an influencer? Well, I think your, your platforms of, of purpose and faith really, really anchor that statement and philosophy approach of you are more than one thing. You aren't defined by what you do. Come on. Come on. That adds so much pressure and expectation and unwarranted stress that you shouldn't have to carry because um, and that's easy to say, you know, when you have this massive contract on the line, when I'm sitting here on this side of it. <laughs> but if you can approach it to to just like, I'm going to let my skills, I'm going to let my um, my mind be fully present and treat this game like, like a kid. But if I was out in, that, in the, the backyard playground, just playing free, playing competitive, oh. playing because you love it. We call this uh, a play mindset versus a pressure mindset. Yeah, that's so, so good. um, but yeah, then that that applies to you as a mom, as a as a business owner, as a teacher, as a Absolutely. doctor, as a lawyer. Uh, you aren't defined by by what you do. Um, cool. man, I enjoyed our conversation, man. Oh, man so, I so I I just want to encourage listeners if you're still here, and you work for anybody that's looking for a speaker or an event, you got to get Ken in the mix and bring the energy, bring the juice, bring the stories. Um, bring but also uh, tools man ken's gonna break it down for you and give you some that you can utilize you can you can apply it's not just theory it's not just entertainment yeah. so um anything else you want to share anything else you're working on that we should know about you got this book coming out you got or you're writing you got your you're speaking more now anything else yeah. that that we should we should know yeah i mean i, I it's, it's, a, it's a few things i'm working on that i i am not at privilege to to discuss yet you know what i mean but <laughs> Just know that it's coming, right? It's, you don't want to it's confirmed until it's on paper. Some wait till it's on paper, you know what I mean? And then the moment it's on paper, I'm blasting it out. So, I mean, I thank you for this opportunity, Colin. I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's honored to be on this podcast. You and T-Money, you know what I mean? He just challenged me with the last few questions. Doug, in right there. I appreciate this time. man. have a lot of fun. Good. Well, you let us know where we, we can find you. We, we can follow you. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm on uh, Facebook, all right, Kenneth Lock the second. Also, Instagram, the exact same way. Uh, Kenneth Lock the second. I have my link tree on there as well. So if you wanted to book or connect me for any reason, it's right on my link tree, right on my Instagram or my email, which is uh, connect at kennethlockii.com. Once again, it's connect at kennethlockii.com. Mm. Well, that's good stuff, man. Yeah. I learned a lot. Uh, appreciate you, all you're doing. Man, you're just getting started. Sky's the limit for you, man. But uh, T Money, you know what to do, man. The body has limits. But the mind is limitless. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.